Diversity is one of those words that today has become a little bit tokenistic. So we want to go a step further today and discuss how we can take the conversation to a deeper level where it's really integrated into our culture. So we're talking with Stephanie Zaniga-Ma. Beyond Wellbeing, leading a thriving, generative and conscious workplace culture with Daryl Brown and Lena Mberku. So we first met our guest today uh, at the Wellbeing Diversity today Summit, is a very uh, hot topic, but a little tendency within corporate and, um, circles to be a little bit tokenistic. A, a great message and a, and a great have conversation really and, into account um, and become part of the culture. To today to us around this discussion uh, diversity Stephanie and around, um, yeah, that kind of contribution of a, of a different conversation in our workplaces. And so we just wanted to to welcome you, Stephanie, and, and just talk through some of this stuff today. Good to see, good to have you with us. Well, it's very, it's very nice to be here, Daryl and Lena, and very lovely to be a part of the, of the conversation and continuing the discussion around diversity and inclusion. It is something I'm really passionate about. Thank you and welcome. Um, so diversity and inclusion are very hot topics at the moment, and I'm very curious about what are the conversations that we are not having What's the elephant in the room? Yes, of course. So look, I think sometimes when people hear the word diversity, they get onto their best behavior. You know, they, they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to offend anyone. They don't want to have really meaningful conversations about what diversity looks like, what diversity means, all the different ways that people can be diverse. And so they sort of just say, oh, she's diverse or oh, he's diverse without really diving in sometimes into the deeper discussions. And sometimes it's because people don't know what words to use or what language language to use around certain certain attributes of a person. So I think that there are two different conversations that we sometimes have. Sometimes we speak in very vague terms about diversity and it's a kind of pretty picture of diversity. Um, but then also we often come at it from a, the angle of the people who are in the majority rather than the person who is quote unquote bringing the diversity into the situation. And I think sometimes we get really caught up in our own perspective, no matter what side of the fence we sit on. And so we don't seek to understand what that means for the other person in the conversation, whether it's the person who walks into a room and, become, and the room becomes diverse magically just by them being there, or whether it's the group that the person's entering and thinking, who is this person who's different in some way? And what does that really mean? It's an interesting point, isn't it? So I think sometimes um, we're a little bit like fish inside a fishbowl, aren't we? We're not really aware of the environment that's around us. We don't actually know we're swimming in water. And this must be one of those kind of things that we've kind of got to jump out of the fishbowl a little bit and then kind of reassess our environments and how we relate to one another in a way that yeah, it sees sees other, but sees sees us all together, you know, in the way that we contribute. Yes, and, and sees us sees each other in a very respectful way. And I think that's sometimes where people get really tripped up is that they don't want to call someone by the wrong pronoun, or maybe they don't even understand why someone would have, you know, a choice of pronouns. And so, rather than having an open and honest conversation about what does gender diversity mean and what does it mean to be transgender, what does it mean to be a they rather than a she or a he. 
people just stop talking. They just say, okay, okay, we'll get some diversity. Okay, cool, whatever, without having that next step of, okay. So traditionally, this is what it's looked like. Now we have someone who slightly challenges our viewpoint. What does that mean to us and how we view ourselves? And what does that mean to how we can adapt our environment to make that person feel better? I think it's a big conversation that sometimes people are very afraid of. Yeah, and um, there is that thing around, um, how would you say it? The contribution of someone with a different perspective and, you know, which is obviously really beneficial in any environment, really, but in some ways in previous generations, say, we've come from a place where we all want to be thinking the same thing all working from the same, singing from the same hymn book, so to speak, um, but without recognising that there's a whole bunch of different hymn books out there and um, that they all can contribute to us moving forward as a, a group of people. So so I suppose that is some of that conversation, isn't it, around how we approach people with different backgrounds, perspectives, and, and obviously, um, let's say, uh, human differences, you know. Well, I think it's, you know, it's really getting into that whole notion of diversity of thought and diversity of experience and how that diversity of thought and experience can lead to really exciting innovations. Uh, my first job was at IBM, and it was right after they canned the dress code where you, know, you no longer had to wear a dark suit and a white shirt. And <laughs> I, think it, I think it was a red tie or a blue tie or something like that. And so now that we've kind of gotten out of that mentality that everyone has to think the same, dress the same, act the same, and be almost a, I don't want to say a robot, because that's probably a little bit disingenuous, but everyone doesn't have to have that same yes, yes, boss thinking. Now that we can bring in, or that we want people to bring in uh, their, diverse, their diverse experiences, their, the things that make them unique because that's how we design better products, that's how we design better services. We recognize that not everyone works from 8.30 to 5.30 in an office anymore. Okay, so what does that, what do those different experiences mean in terms of how we can possibly create a better world for everyone, not just for that, that small subset of people who are our cookie cutter persons? I was just wondering, like in terms of this better world, like what would it look like? Like what's your, ideal vision of uh, an inclusive, uh, diverse world, and what should that be, people? Yeah, look, um, that's a huge question. <laughs> I don't know if I have sort of the, the two-second answer to that. Um, you know, I think one of the things that is so exciting to me, um, and one of the things, you know, I'm an American citizen, I grew up in the U.S., um, and I think I would be remiss without touching on the election a little bit. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I find really exciting about what's happened just now in the U.S. is that we've elected our first female vice president, our first vice president of color, our first woman of color in, uh, in, in either the presidency or the vice presidency. Yes, she has a background that's not the standard vice presidential background. And, you know, represents, uh, what she represents to little girls who are looking at her, I think that really matters. And I think, you know, when you, when you get into people who are hyphenated, whether it's, you know, Jamaican, Indian, or American, Australian, or like my son, who's American, Irish, and Australian somehow, you know, as soon as you start blurring all of these lines, 
it's hard to point at someone and say, you know what, you're different, you're, you're not right. The more we sort of blur all of these boundaries and all of these um, things that used to divide us, I think the better, the more inclusive of the world that we create because we understand each other. You know, my son will never be able to say, oh, I don't like Irish people without saying I don't like half my family. <laughs> so, you know, and I guess it's all of those things that as we break down the barriers between us and create this more culturally blended world, I think it becomes more inclusive as well. What's the gain? What's the, um, especially in, in the case of, uh, of companies, uh, why would they do that, basically? Yeah, so look, I think people feel good about themselves when they see positive reflections of themselves in society. So when you see, you know, and again, there are a lot of, you know, white men who would never have the experience of never seeing themselves in a, in a role of power. But I think, you know, as if you're a child of color or a little girl and you can see someone as, you know, a female CEO, you can see a woman as a CFO, you can see people who are like you in these roles within organizations. There's a certain amount of confidence that you get as a person in the minority group. There's also someone that you can go to ask, hey, how did you do that? I want to be you one day. How can you, how can you help me get to where you are? So I think that network of whether it's women, whether it's LGBTQIA+, I think those are all the letters. <laughs> <laughs> staff, you know, whether it's staff of color, whether it's indigenous staff who actually have people that they can call on to say, hey, you know, we come from a similar background. Tell me how you did it. Tell me how I can be like, you know, that representation is so important for an organization as well. Because again, you don't want to be the only person in the room that's the diversity. <laughs> um, I've certainly been in rooms where I've walked in, it's like, oh, great, we have our we have our black friend, and we can start now. <laughs> um, and that's not a comfortable position for the person who is doing that. Um, I have a colleague who's indigenous, and he was really proud of kind of the strides that his company had made, um, you know, in terms of uh, celebrating the indigenous culture. And then when he left, he was like, I have no one to hand this off to. This is going to die a death because there's no other indigenous person in the organization who can carry on this work. So I think it's important to kind of think about inclusion as, right, we need more than one. It's not just the one. <laughs> it's building, you know, multiple types of diversity through multiple people in the organization. And does the, does the challenge as well, like we were talking uh, just before around um, corporates and then the, the measurement of diversity and and how it can be a numbers game but that kind of is not the point yeah so i guess to go back to us politics <laughs> again you know when rbd died uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the supreme court justice died from the supreme court you know died on what she's a you know a liberal progressive woman and they replaced her with amy comey barrett who's very conservative so even though you're replacing a woman with another woman, it's not necessarily building in the diversity of thought or the diversity of experience, or the diversity of point of view that you get when you look at diversity, not just a numerical yes, no, man, woman, diverse, not diverse terms, but you look at almost like a, almost like a bouquet, how you need all different shades, all different types of flowers, all different sizes to really make that bouquet beautiful. Yeah, no, it's a big, um, it's a big difference, and I think 
I suppose we have our businesses that would would or enterprises that that are kind of trying to play the to to outwardly appear right. So that, but but again, it's the spirit of it that makes the difference, isn't it? Like, not just to be inclusive, to um, to tick a box, but but to actually, as as you were talking about just a little bit before, around how it actually looking towards the actual benefits that it actually brings to an organization in terms of its ability to innovate to hear different perspectives and so on and i imagine that you would have a, perhaps some examples that you might be able to share around the contribution that a diverse group of people uh, might be able to bring towards the you know the movement of an organization yeah look i there's been a number of studies that have shown that the more diverse the organization is, the more successful it is. Um, the more diverse uh, leadership teams that they have, the more innovation occurs within an organization. I know the company I work for, Splunk, you know, we, innovation is one of our values, but also we created a culture around a million data points. And what a million data points is, we're data analytics company, but a million data points is this belief that everyone has a million things about them that make them truly special, unique, different, that they should be bringing to work with them every single day. Because just because you walk into your office doesn't mean that you leave your identity behind. And that's not what we want. We want people to bring their whole selves to work because that's how, they, how they're able to think differently about problems. That's where the innovation starts. If you're bringing your experience as a refugee or as a, you know, ballet dancer or all of these things that you do outside of work that really make you who you are that's when creativity and innovation can really um, there's one of those other areas that we we're talking about um which is it which is around that whole the whole discussion around psychological safety and i suppose that's going to be one of the areas where you know even in an organization that has a diverse range of people within it if if um if they're not allowed to ex if it, if implicitly they're not allowed to express themselves or bring their full selves to work then that's going to create well there's not going to bring any benefits is it really i think that's where the, the belonging piece of the of the equation comes where you can have a diverse organization with lots of different types of people it can be inclusive up to a point to say oh yeah you're allowed to you know, do whatever you know, we'll use your pronoun under duress, but it's that belonging piece where they say, how, you know, how are they doing today? And where it's, it's not a big deal. It's not, oh, you're different and we have to treat you different. It's, no, you're a person just like the rest of us. And that's where belonging um, is really, really important. That psychological safety piece, that piece of the puzzle where I think a lot of organizations, they might talk about diversity, but when you talk to the people who are there, they may not feel like they really belong in the organization other than to make up the numbers on exponential wide of And that's why I think, you know, one of my favorite things to do in Sydney is to watch the, uh, the Mardi Gras parade. And what I love about it is all the organizations that say, you know what, we're going to do a float. We're going to make sure that we are publicly supporting the, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community in a very, you know, visible ways and that really ensures that that 
that their teams belong and that they feel like they can do that. Um, you know, you have some organizations where, yes, of course you have, you know, I'll just call it pride for, <laughs> for, for lack of lack of a without saying, saying the whole acronym. Um, you have staff who are a member of the pride community, but they're not really celebrated. They're not really allowed to be who they are, but it's, but yet they have the diversity that without really that sort of inclusion and belonging. Speaking of um, supporting your employees, like what are the best practices that you have seen out there or other tips of what organizations can do that can create change um, rapidly or um, effectively? Yeah, I think look, I think there are two pieces of it. There's the, you know, having policies that are I don't want to say that promote well that are I guess equitable policies, number one, from an organizational point of view. Having the I guess the, not just an even playing field, but having having policies that don't disadvantage one group or another and that take into account all the differences. But then the other part of it is really on an individual level, how individuals interact and see each other on a daily basis. And that's harder to control, that's harder to police in some ways because you're really policing the hearts and minds of your staff. But by hiring the right people and hiring people who are aligned with, the, with your values as well, I think that's a really important um, piece of the problem in terms of ensuring that organizations are um, supportive of their employees and of different types of, of diversity. Um, I think one of the interesting things is sometimes it's the little things that really make a big difference. You, know, you can have all the policies you want, but for a CEO or for a manager to acknowledge the difference and to acknowledge it in a positive way and to make the person feel accepted um, and like they're part of the team and like they're part of the community, I think that can almost go a long, you know, a further way than anything else. Um, yeah, for me personally, over the summer, over the winter, I should say, with the Black Lives Matter protests. You know, I had a manager, or my manager actually asked me, how, you know, how are you feeling with everything? How, you know, how, how are you doing? And to just sort of acknowledge and open up the conversation, which some people don't want to have. Some people think it's easier to just say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. too hard, basket. But to have those hard conversations, to open that door, to really go, go along with things. There's a lot of modeling needed, isn't there, from, from I suppose it's, the upper levels, if you want to call it, or the team leaders, and just um, in just how that in inclusivity approach, um, yeah, how that how that how that looks in real life. It has to be top down, but also bottom up. You know, you can't tell people you have to be inclusive, <laughs> and people are just going to do it one day. It's like, okay, I'll leave whatever prejudice, whatever preconceived notions I have at the door because some of these things are really ingrained and some of these things take a long time to overcome. But you definitely have to have, you know, the leadership team on board and, you know, whether it's the senior leadership and the C-level, but also, right, all the way down to the team lead, down to the individuals as well, um, to call out behavior that they see is not right with their colleagues. Um, and if something doesn't, you know, if you hear something, say something, say, hey, that's, we, that's not how we behave in this community. Um, and that's kind of also where it's, psychological safety build amongst community members and they build their trust in their colleagues to stand up for them and to have their back when there are, I guess, anti-diverse or anti-inclusive um, things that happen. 
So what does it look like? What's an example of an organisation who has taken on this kind of more inclusive approach, who has actually really valued the diverse opinions and then has perhaps um, moved in a different direction because of the, um, the that opinion that was not perhaps, let's call it a, a majority opinion, but has been influenced by by that diverse um, thought process that was within their organization. Yeah, and I guess it's, it's still kind of hard to, um, I don't say it's hard to quantify, but you look at an organization like Macquarie Bank, for example, which for years was thought of as sort of the billionaire boys club and the sort of bastion of, um, I guess, white maleness in Australia, <laughs> white privileged male, you know, millionaire factory, whatever. And you know, their CEO is a woman of Indian descent. So even though you can't say, oh, she's done, she's changed the direction radically of the bank, because it's still a very successful bank, and they're still um, you know, making a lot of money. <laughs> but you have to imagine that the direction that they've gone in, maybe some of the choices that she's made, are different than what the most of the other would have done. And you also have to imagine that if not for her, um, you know, would they have as many female senior staff? You know, has, how how much has she driven, or how much of an example has she been just by an example? You know, by leading by example in that space. So, you know, it's hard to kind of say take the sliding door approach and say, oh well, it's only there because they have they have more diversity. But then you sort of think, well, by having more diversity, what impact might that have had, and might might that have going into the future? So there's that whole um, company side of things as well, isn't there? Uh, you were talking before about how there's the kind of two aspects of it. There's a whole big corporate presentation or, or I suppose it's how you actually embed um, a, an inclusive approach into your company culture. So, yeah, what, is, what, is that, what does that kind of look like, do you think? There can be lots of different things from having equal, uh, I guess, parental leave policies where you're not assuming that the woman's going to take a year off and that the man's just going to go go to work every day like everything like everything's normal. It's having you know maybe one or two non-gendered backgrounds so that if someone is transgender, it's not a big deal for them to use a, you know a genderless bathroom. So I think it's you know, sometimes there's things that the outward appearance aren't groundbreaking. It's like, well, of course, there's, you know, and well, people who with different abilities. Okay, well, that's also unisex. Okay, cool. But if you're someone who's in that group that's feeling um, like you're marginalized or that you're not included, having those really small things can make a big difference. For example, you know, another, a great example is at Splunk, um, we actually do we support fertility treatments. And we do that for all employees, regardless of gender, regardless of, uh, or, of um, orientation. Yeah, we just do that for all employees. So whether you're seeking to help with fertility because you're in a same-sex relationship, or because you're a single parent, or because you know your partner needs help, you know, those are all things that we cover regardless of who you are. It's, it's just a blanket policy. Um, so I think you know, more policies like that for companies that are irrespective of you know, what makes you different, having the same policies across the board is really important. 
as we're getting close to the wrap up, um, do you have any closing remarks or you think that if there was one thing that HR could take away from this conversation, like what would you like them to really think about and implement? Hmm. I think you know, it's really important to look at diversity, inclusion, and belonging as a journey, not as a, um, a train station. You know, think, oh, we've gotten to diversity. Great, we're here, that's it. Um, it's something that, you know, every day with every new employee, with every new person who joins, every new, you know, every day we have to work at it. It's constantly changing, it's constantly evolving. We're constantly having to reevaluate how we interact with our teams and how we interact with each other. So it's not a, it's not a destination at the beginning. If if people would like to interact with you more or find out more about what you're doing, what's the best way that they can do that? Yeah, they can reach me on LinkedIn, Stephanie Demar. Uh, they can email me at stephaniedemar at um, Those would probably be the two preferred ways. I'm not going to give out my phone number necessarily, but um, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. Thank you very much. Well, we really appreciate you. Um, having a chat with us today and just um, you know bringing that that conversation up uh, just uh, around how we can be more inclusive and increase the well-being of yeah all of our community in that sense you know within our organizations thank you so much for having me you've been listening to beyond well-being with daryl brown and lena mberku zaniga ma z-u-n-i-g-a hyphen M-A-H-E-R. That'll find her on LinkedIn and she works for Splunk, an IT firm. And of course, if you want to find Lena, you can search her up, Lena Mberku on LinkedIn. And she was also via the site macroleaders.com. Daryl Brown, you can find me by via upsidedownleader.com and, and in LinkedIn the same way. Well, look forward to uh, catching you again next week for our final episode of the year.